Welcome to the sermon podcast of Kusada Baptist Church. We want to be a lighthouse to guide you on your journey through life. Listen as our pastor, Dr. Jim Graham, shares a message from God's Word and offers sound biblical direction for your daily life. Well, we are winding up this series, the, the premise of the series, if this is your first time. Uh, it's the last Sunday, but it doesn't matter. Uh, if you believe in God, like if you truly believe in God and who He is, that you'll respond certain ways to that. Uh, that if our belief system affects our actions, if, if we believe that it's going to be rainy this afternoon, which I do believe that, it's going to affect my plans. I'm going to decide if I go out to be prepared uh, to be wet or to cover myself, or whatever, right? Might stick an umbrella in the car, you know, kind of thing. So if you believe that certain things are going to happen, you believe in certain things, you will respond accordingly. So that's what we've been talking about. And I've been telling you some stories, and today our story wraps around two main guys. One is named Hezekiah, and the other Sennacherib. And they were both kings, and uh, Hezekiah... Uh, it, the Bible says some great things about him. Uh, what, a, what a good guy he was in his relationship with, with God. He, he became the king of Judah when he was 25 years old, and he, and he reigned as king for 29 years, which is a pretty long career as the leader of his nation. And let me just read to you some of the positive things it says about him in 2 Kings 18. It says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything, and he carefully obeyed all the commands the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was with him, and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. He revolted against the king of Assyria and refused to pay him tribute. So there's introducing this other you know, king. But I want to pause there. It says he was successful in everything he did. Now, that's an interesting phrase. I hope you understand what that means. It doesn't mean that when someone is successful in everything they do, that literally every single thing works out perfectly great. I know we think that sometimes. We think that I'm struggling and I have this failure or this problem or this situation, and it seems like, you know, Junior over there, Everything just works out for them, everything. That is just not true. That's not how life works. What, what it's saying about him is that even in the midst of issues and problems, he trusted God, he would follow God, and because of that, the end result was good. And, and, and that's a difficult thing for us to understand. Are we okay with the end result being good, but... The middle of this thing, like the battle that I'm having to fight, no battle is good, pleasant, wonderful. Like there are tough things in the middle of life. And so in the middle of those things, he trusted God. And in the end, when, when you get through those things, he was successful. Now the reason I want to talk to you about this is because I, I would, you know, wager that there are many people in this room and you're, you're in something, like you have a thing, right? Sometimes it's a really heavy thing, right? And it's usually like a job, career kind of pressure kind of thing, school, that kind of pressure thing, or a lot of times it's a relationship kind of thing, right? And whether that's your kids, your parents, 
your significant other, some other friendship, some other kind of thing, but there's a relationship kind of thing. Sometimes it's a spiritual kind of thing. A lot of times it's a resource kind of thing, like it's a money kind of thing and that kind of pressure. But we, all, we go through stuff, and we're dealing with issues. It could be a health kind of thing, right? We're dealing with things, and in the middle of that thing, how do we deal with it? And what is Satan trying to push us and trick us to do? And what does God want us to do? So here's the other character in our play. That's literally like a drawing of him based off those. There are these drawings of him like on clay tablets, like where they carved in the relief side of it. And then artists have taken that, like made it, you know, kind of pulled it out to give a, a better idea of what he might have looked like. This, this guy's name Sennacherib. He was the king of Assyria, and, and he was a brutal ruler who was intent on conquering the world, and he was systematically taking over the countries around him, and he would kill you know, thousands and thousands of people. He would take the rest and enslave them. He would move them. He would take everybody and move them to some other place and then bring somebody else here just to make them uncomfortable and control them. And uh, so he was a controlling, brutal dictator. And so Hezekiah, the good king of Judah, four years into his 29-year reign, Sennacherib attacks the country next to him. And it was a sister country, a country they had good relationships with. And over a two-year period, he wiped them out, like utterly destroyed them uh, to the extent that that nation ceased to exist um, for a uh, couple thousand years before it uh, came back to life, that country did. But it destroyed them. And uh, uh, he watched all that. It, can you imagine if some powerhouse nation, you know, a China, a Russia, somebody like that, came in and attacked Canada and destroyed Canada. Like, we would feel some pressure, right? We would feel some angst about that. Well, that's what happened. And then some years passed, 14 years into his reign, he started running raids and attacking into his country. And he attacked a few of the fortified cities out on the, you know, on the perimeter. And... Uh, and he demanded then to Hezekiah, if you don't pay me, I'm going to wipe you all out. Pay me. And he demanded of him 11 tons of silver and one ton of gold. I mean, they're backing up dump trucks, right? And loading it up. And he's trying to, so he tries to round up all this money. Uh, they're even going into the temple and stripping off every silver and gold item, even if it's like a, a covering over while they were stripping it off and ripping it off to send to him, to pay him off, to get him to leave them alone. So he accepts the money, accepts the bribe, the money to go away, but he doesn't go away. He, uh, he's a liar. He just wants to, you know, destroy and conquer and be in power. So he sends a really large army and he sends three envoys or emissaries to confront Hezekiah, all right? And you read that in verse 17. He sends his commander-in-chief, his field commander, and his chief of staff. 
And it says, The Assyrians took up a position beside the aqueduct that feeds water into the upper pool near the road leading to the field where cloth is washed. I'm just reading that because I want you to understand when you read stuff like this is a this is a real historical event. These are real people, real historical event. This isn't like a Bible story that sometimes people go like, oh, it's just some like fairy tale story. It's not like that. This is a very real event. Okay, and so uh, they want Hezekiah to come up out and talk to him. He says, "I'm a king just like you. I may be of a little bitty country, but." I'm a king just like you, so I'm going to send three of my officials out. So he sends the palace administrator, the court secretary, and the royal historian. Now, I do think it's kind of funny that Sennacherib has a a commander-in-chief, a field commander, and a chief of staff, very military, whatever. And look who he's sending out. Uh, Hezekiah sending out the administrator, the court secretary, and the royal historian. So I, I picture these three librarians, you know, <laughs> coming out for this meeting. You know, <laughs> one's got his bookkeeping books. You know, all they like, and and they're writing out. Here's these military commanders with this large army. That's the situation. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like you are completely outmatched? in a situation you don't know what to do you're totally out of your element and you're in trouble that's the situation like we're sending out the you know the court secretary that takes notes at our meetings to meet with the field commander of the greatest army in the world at that time and that's that's the meeting we're having we're gonna have a little negotiation here and so I want you to picture what's happening in this negotiation between these six people. Because to me, the things that are said in that meeting, those are the voices that you hear in your head when you're facing the same kind of crisis. You know, Satan hasn't really changed his tactics. When, when you're a Hezekiah-type person, and you want to trust in God, you want to follow the Lord, you want to do the right thing, the problem is that... You know, it doesn't just go along like just swimmingly well. All of a sudden, there's an invading army. There's a problem that approaches, right? And now you have to deal with it. What are you, what are you going to do, right? And, and what do you do when it's just out of your league, right? And Satan comes in and he wants to tell you stuff. And that's what he's always done from the beginning of time. You read starting in the Garden of Eden. He takes the truth and he twists it. And he embellishes it, and he questions it. He's a liar. And, and he will speak to you straight to your heart, straight to your head, to get you to not do what God wants you to do. That's his goal. He wants to destroy you and ruin you. And you would think in this instance, I want you to understand something, you would think in this instance that what will destroy me and ruin me is that army Okay, it's this problem that's going to destroy me. The truth is, the truth is the decision you make and how you're going to deal with that is the thing that will destroy you. Y'all got me? It's not the thing, it's not the army that will destroy you. It's the decision you make about how I'm going to handle this situation if I choose to follow the Lord or not that will destroy me. So here's, here's his tactics. This is what they do. First, they challenge their confidence. Let me read to you some of the stuff 
that they say in this thing. Verse 19. On what are you basing this confidence of yours? You say you have strategy and military strength, but you speak only empty words. On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? Decisions have been made. You decided you're going to follow God, you know. And Satan comes in and says, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? You really think you can handle this? And he knows the answer is no. You don't... He, he knows exactly where to hit you to shake your confidence. Oh, you're dealing with that issue? You think you've got enough to deal with that? And you're sitting there going, I don't know. No. You think you can handle this parenting situation? You think you have enough resources? You think you can handle this? You think you can handle that job thing? You think you can handle this financial thing? Like you're in trouble. You... You made a decision. Oh, I'm going, to follow, I'm going to follow the Lord. I'm going to do it right. And as soon as something comes along, Satan goes like, you really going to do it right? You, 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 you are really going to do it? No, you're not. That's what he does to us. I know who you are. I know what you can and can't do. Other people don't. I know. And he tells you that. And now all of a sudden you're in a situation and you're sitting there thinking like, I don't know if I can do this. You know, maybe I shouldn't be a daddy. Maybe I shouldn't be the pastor. Maybe I shouldn't be the husband. Maybe I shouldn't be in this job. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I can't do this after all. That's Satan. That's what he does to you. And then he questions not only your confidence and who you are, but he questions all your resources and your abilities. Verse 24, with your tiny army, how can you think of challenging even the weakest contingent of my master's troops? That's what they said to him. Even with the help of Egypt's chariots and charioteers. Like, do you really think you have enough to do this? You don't. And even if you go borrow from someone else, or go to someone else, guess what? They don't have enough. With your tiny army, you think you can do this? Like, and you'll have situations, and, it, and it's going to challenge your ability, and your resources, and your situation, and, and can you do that, right? My, my daughter's getting married in October, Okay. And, and you all come up and you ask me the same question. Everyone asks me the same question. You ask me, do I like the guy? That's what you ask me. You like him? Do you like him? Is he a great guy? Do you like him? And, 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 and I always say, yeah, he's, he's a great guy. He's a nice guy. Here's my real answer. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like the answer is that I will know in like, 10 years and then I can say oh yeah he's been, he's been great I don't know I'm having to trust that she knows y'all know what I'm saying but there's another question that looms with the whole deal besides the guy you know what that question is how are you going to pay for this wedding they're really expensive. 
There's a lot involved in all that kind of stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of you dudes know what I'm talking about, right? You're sitting there going like, ooh. Right? Yeah, amen. So, that's not even a bad situation. That's like a good thing. A wedding's a good thing. But a lot of things, they're not even good things. They're bad things. And what, they, what, what Satan comes to do is it's like, who, with your tiny army, you think you can handle this situation? I know who you are, and I know what you have, and you don't have, and so I just, I don't see how you're going to be able to deal with this. And we're rocked. And now the temptations come in, right? Now, I know what the answer should be, and you know what the answer should be. We face that situation, and we know as Christians what we're supposed to do is go like, okay, maybe I can't handle it, but God can, right? Maybe I don't have the resources, but he does, right? So I'll just trust in him, and everything will be fine. But let's go to Satan's next tactic. He will challenge your faith. You know what these dudes said to him? Like they're sitting there, you're, so, oh, I get it. You don't have enough, your tiny army, but you think God is going to save you. That's what you think. You think God's going to save you. Even with your tiny army, you think with God out in front that God will save you. And this is what they say in verse 25. What's more, do you think we have invaded your land without the Lord's direction? The Lord himself told us to attack this land and destroy it. What? Oh, now you're going to go pray to your God? Guess what? This problem is coming from God. Now, I need you to know something. Let me make sure you understand something. They're lying. Okay? They're lying. I need you to know that. They're lying. But I just want you to know Satan will lie to you. And here's what Satan will lie to you about. The problem you're facing, you deserve it. Why would you go to God and ask God to help you with the problem that's your own fault? It's your own fault that you're facing this problem. You deserve it. You've built this problem for yourself. And so you've got to deal with it by yourself. God's sending this problem. Now, let's, let's speak truth. If that problem is there, God allowed it to be there. That is true. I mean, that, that problem is, is coming down the pipeline because God, I mean, he could have stopped it, right? He could have pushed it off. He could have done something about it. And it's here. But here's the lie in that. Is God trying to destroy you? Is that his goal? To destroy you? To wreck your life? To ruin your life? No. No. So where's the truth in all that? If there's a problem... God's got a solution. He's in the problem. I do have to trust him, but you just need to know something. Satan's going to lie to you, and he's going to tell you that the problem's your own fault, and the problem was sent by God to deal with you. And all he's trying to do is to get you not to go to God. The last thing Satan wants you to do is go to God and do the right thing with your problem. He doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to have to deal with it all by yourself. And there's some of you in here that are carrying weights of problems all by yourself. And it gets worse with some other things he does here in a minute. So let me tell you the next, another tactic. He challenges their sensibility, their logic. And this is what he does. He tries to get them to sell out. 
He says, I tell you what, strike a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria, and I'll give you 2,000 horses. And then he gives him a little jab. He said, if you can find that many men to ride them. But let's make a deal. Now, I need you to know something. Every time there's a problem, there are choices that you can make on what you're going to do. And a lot of times, the, that what, what God lays out in front of you as the plan, in the moment, it's very, very difficult. Now, the result of doing the difficult thing that God's asking you to do, down the line, it's much easier to live with. It's much easier to live with. But right now, it's difficult. So imagine Jesus Christ himself. God, the Father, says to Jesus, I'm sending you, and your mission is to save sinners. And the way you're going to do that is you're going to be tortured, and you're going to die. Right? You're going to be tortured to death. And so that's not pleasant. That's terrible. Right? Here's God's plan, and it's very difficult. Now, once you're tortured and die, what am I going to do? I'm going to raise you from the dead, and you're going to conquer death, and you're going to be victorious. But in order to be victorious, you have to do this, right? To rise up from the ashes, you have to be burned. To rise up from death, you have to die, okay? So Satan comes along and comes to Jesus in the wilderness and says, I got a better plan. If you'll do it my way, you can rule the world. You can have power and comfort and all this, and you don't have to do that plan. That plan's really hard and really difficult. Here's a better plan. Okay? And that's what Satan does to you. He'll offer you an easier out. And it looks easier, and you're tempted to take it. And the question is, will you take the easy out, or will you do it the hard way? And the easy out... It's a relationship thing, and you can take the easy out. And boy, in the end, the, the cost of that is really bad. Or you can do the difficult thing, but the payoff is, is right, right? But that's the temptation. All right, I asked this question in the first service. Perlene, we have a, we have a project we have to do. Uh, you'll understand in just a second. But the whole Lightsy family, we have to have them over for dinner and show them this movie they've never seen. I'm really disappointed. I'm going to ask you, I'm just going to ask it the easy way. How many of you have never watched the Christmas movie, It's a Wonderful Life? I need to see. Oh, that's so sad. Here's a whole crew. You are failing as parents. <laughs> really? Really? You need to, you didn't know. You need to work on that. Oh my gosh, Binion. You're chairman of Deacons. And your daughter-in-law here has not watched. Please hand up. Really, Meredith? Oh. And she's in our small group. Now I feel like I've failed. Okay, in the movie, obviously a lot of you have seen it. In the movie, there's a, a good guy and a bad guy. And there's a situation where the economy collapses. It's the Great Depression. And the bad guy is buying everybody out. He's offering them pennies on the dollar, but he's offering them security. Uh, and, and the good guy's going, don't sell out to Potter. Don't sell out to him. And he's telling them, he's not saving you, he's buying you. 
He's buying control over your life. That's what he's doing. And it looks like he's rescuing you, but he's buying you. And it's a great analogy for what Satan does. Satan will come into your situation and he will say to you, I've got an out for you. I've got an out for you. And if you'll just make the deal with me, the deal with the devil, right? You just make the deal with me. It'll be easier. It'll be better. And he is not rescuing you. He's buying you. He's buying control. He wants to ruin your life. And he does it with a beautiful solution that's so much easier than the hard thing that God wants you to do. He challenged that. Then, let me tell you what he did next. So they're having the conversation, and they're saying all this stuff. They're saying, we're going to come and destroy you if you don't do these things. We'll, we'll offer you this deal, take this deal, you know. Uh, but if you think with your tiny army you can handle us, you're mistaken. You're in deep, deep trouble. He's telling them all this stuff. And then they asked him, they say he challenges, I'm calling it challenging their fears. And I don't know if that's the right word. Maybe I chose the wrong word this morning. But here's what they said. They said, hey, hey, shh, 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 look, you're speaking in Hebrew, which is our common language. And, and all the guys up on the wall, they can understand all this stuff you're saying. And I don't want them to hear this. So we speak Aramaic. So let's just speak in Aramaic. So that nobody else knows what's going on. Like I would like for my fears to, to stay inside, to be internalized. I, I don't want anybody else to know how I'm really feeling. And so we do this. Like it's amazing. It's amazing that Christians, and this either has happened to you or has happened to friends of yours or will happen to you. Christians will go through some mess, right? You'll have some problem, something going on. And Satan will tell you the last place you want to go is church. That's what he'll tell you. Because if you go to church, they might find out. They might find out. Okay, I need to tell you something about all these people in this room, okay? They're all like really lousy sinners, everybody. Your pastor is everybody, all right? We all have huge flaws and huge mistakes, and we deal with pressures, and sometimes we fail miserably at them. And what, why we come together to church is because we realize that He is God, and He loves us anyway, and we worship Him because He's forgiven us. And, and to, to think then that I'm facing a new pressure and I can't come and sit with you and like be a little weepy because of what I'm going through and, and to think that you're going to look at me and go like, look how pathetic that person is, is such a lie from Satan. Nobody does that. We look at each other and go, I feel you, brother. I know, I, I know you're going through pain. Well, been through it myself. Put my arm around you. I'll pray for you. You know, but, but what they say is, shh. Don't tell your small group so they can pray for you. Don't tell your pastor. You know, don't, tell, don't tell your best friend who's a godly person and a Christian person too so they can pray for you. You deal with it all by yourself. Because he knows if he can isolate you all by yourself, then it's way easier to destroy you. And that's his goal. So, no, 
I'm telling you, don't do that. Listen, if you can't trust your small group with something to pray for you about, you're in a wrong small group. Switch. If you can't trust your pastor and your ministers and your staff, you're in the wrong church. Just go somewhere else. If you can't trust your friend to, to share with them this pressure that you have and to pray for you, then pff, get a different friend. I'm just telling you that to isolate... Let's speak the other language so nobody else knows. That's a lie from Satan. That's not how it works. We need people to pray for us, to lift us up, to remind us of the truth, because sometimes in the pressure we forget the truth. So listen to what these guys did. They said, no, 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 no. We're not speaking Aramaic. We're going to speak Hebrew so everybody knows. And we're going to speak it even louder. And they start yelling. Look what they say. This is great. This is Scripture. All the 11-year-old boys get excited. It says, he wants all the people to hear it. For when we put this city under siege, they will suffer along with you. They'll be so hungry and thirsty that they will eat their own dung and drink their own urine. It's going to be bad, and we want all of you to know it. And then they keep going. And not only do we want the whole world to know that you're in trouble, we want the whole world to know. Like, and we don't want that. Listen, we don't want it. Uh, there are a few people who do, and they're going to post it on Facebook, but they're crazy. So the rest of us, the real stuff we're going through, we don't want the whole world to know. And I'm not telling you to just shout it to the whole world, but I'm telling you there should be a group of people in your life that are trying to walk with God that you can go to and you can say, like, I'm scared. I, I'm hurting, and I have this issue and I need you to pray for me. And we don't run from those people. We run to those people. And he does. They actually go, the first place he goes, Hezekiah goes straight to a guy named Isaiah. You heard of him? Prophets are going to go straight to Isaiah. says, I need you to pray for me. But I want you to know the next ta tactic that Satan does is he tries to divide them. He challenges their unity. I want you to know this. What Satan really, really wants to do is he wants to, if he can't destroy you, he wants to destroy all your connections. He wants to rip your family apart. He wants to rip your church apart. He wants to rip your small group apart. If you've got a good friend group, he wants to rip them apart. So he just wants to rip it apart. And so they start talking to the people on the wall, and they start saying, don't trust Hezekiah. That's what they say in Scripture. Don't trust him. He's telling you to follow the Lord. The Lord can't help you. He can't rescue you. Don't listen to him. In fact, y'all come on out. Open the gate and come out here. We'll make a deal with you. If Hezekiah won't make a deal, we'll make a deal with you. Y'all come. And he's trying to divide them from each other. But Hezekiah does what, if you believe, that you will really do. He goes to Isaiah and says, I want you to pray for me. The meeting ends, they go their separate ways. And then they send a letter. And the letter repeats the threats. And he takes those, that letter, Hezekiah takes it. And it's scary. Getting that letter, and he takes it, all the pages of them, and he goes into the temple. Can you picture him coming right up here? He comes right up here, and he lays them out. And I think, in my mind, he turns them around, you know, like this. Because he says, Lord, read it. Read what they're saying. What they're saying about you. 
And there's a choice to be made in that moment. Now, you probably heard this term. Have you ever heard somebody say, lay it out before the Lord? We use phrases like that in church. Sometimes we use phrases that nobody knows. You know, what does that mean? Well, it comes from Scripture like this, where somebody goes and literally lays it out before God. He lays the letter out, spreads it out, and he prays. And he says, God, you're great. And I've told you this many times. We tend to say it backwards, the sentence backwards. We say, God, you're great. But I have a problem. And remember, I've told you many times, say it the other way. I have a problem, but God, you're great. And this one, I want to tell you, I don't know what your problem is. I don't know if it's a relationship thing. I don't know if it's a money thing. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I'm just saying, like, you can't look at this and go, like, look, God, I know what I want. I want you to just make it go away. I want you to take that army and just destroy them and make them go away. That's what I want. But I don't know. I don't know exactly what your plan is. I don't know if I've got to fight this battle, but if you want me to fight it, I'll fight it. If you want me to just trust you, I'll trust you. I, I, I don't know if we're supposed to run. If, you, if we are, we'll run. Because there's sometimes God says flee and sometimes he says fight, right? I mean, like, I just, I just know this. I'm not going to listen to them and to Satan. I'm going to listen to you. And if you say do it and it's hard, I'm not going to sell out. I'm going to trust you. And you're not my last resort. You're my first resort. I'm coming straight to you and I'm laying it out. Here it is, God. Tell me. And I'm in. I'm in. However hard it is, however difficult it is, I trust you. I know in the end it's going to be what I need to do. And so you will find me trusting you and obedient through this thing. Just show me. Just show me what you want me to do. And I'm in. And so I don't know what your thing is, but you've got a thing. And I'm going to ask you this morning, lay it out. And I know I'm tempted to run to the other thing. I'm, I'm tempted to, to doubt myself. I'm tempted not to, not to ask for anybody else to pray for me, just to hold it all in. I, I'm tempted to do it my way and mess it up. Like, I'm tempted to do all kinds of things other than what God wants me to do. And Satan's in my ear. Golly. But I'm going to push that aside. So can I, can I ask you to pray right now? Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes? And would you just pray this morning? Lord, here's, here's my thing. And I want to trust you in it. I want to give it to you. I want to I, I, I lay it out before you and believe with all my heart that no matter how difficult it is, Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our prayer that it's been helpful in this part of your life journey. We invite you to join us at Kusada Sunday mornings for worship. Visit our website at kusadabaptist.org for directions and more information about our church.